Welcome to Self-Compassionate Professor, a podcast helping academics and former academics to find wellness, meaning, purpose, and freedom in life and career. I'm Danielle Delamar. Glad you're here. Well, hello, hello. How are you all today? This is Danielle Delamar, and this is the Self-Compassionate Professor podcast, and today we are on episode seven. I'm feeling sort of accomplished. This whole podcast thing has been much different than I thought it would be. Uh, I've wanted to do a podcast for, for several years now, and so I'm thrilled to be doing it. Um, but I find myself having... Uh, these vulnerability hangovers, as um, Brene Brown calls them, every time I put an episode out. So I may be fine, like right now, as I'm just talking to you all, but then every time I, uh, I publish it, right, and then put it out on social media to sort of let people know it's out and they can listen to it, I have a total panic attack. And um, that's that's part of, I I mean, I think it's typical for a human. It's part of who we are. Like we do have these vulnerability hangovers. That's why Brene Brown talks about them. But for me, I have, um, I have this core belief that comes out all the time and it's that I'm not competent. I'm not good enough. I'm not ever going to be able to do such and such well. And that that core belief has driven me to do some of the most unhealthy things in my life. And, and now it's interesting because I can see that core belief when it comes out. And last week, you know, I put the podcast out. It was late at night. I wasn't really as proud of that podcast episode as I've been in, as I have been of others. And I felt dumb and I felt like, you know, it wasn't all that helpful and I didn't explain well enough and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, there was just something that took over in me. And I said, Danielle, just get it out there. You said you were going to do a podcast. You want to do a podcast because you want people to learn from all the work you've done over the years. It's not fair that I sort of keep it in and keep it to myself. And so here I am (laughs) doing the podcast again, probably going to experience another vulnerability hangover and hoping that it won't be as bad as it was last week. It was to the point where I wasn't sleeping well that night. I mean, I, I, granted, I was up late doing, recording the podcast episode. Um, and so then that put me in a weird place because my head, I was, I was sort of spinning when I laid down to go to bed. Anyway, all of that is to say that career stuff, whatever that may be, for me, it's about learning how to be a good entrepreneur. For me, it's about learning how to share my messages about career transition and career change in a way that people can connect to and relate to and learn something from. And I want 
you to know that as you are moving into a career you want and leaving behind a career you no longer want, there will be these vulnerability attacks. You will, you will like me, get these sort of hangovers and feel dumb and not want to put yourself out there and not want to call people for, to do interviews, um, informational interviews, right? Because that's what career coaches always tell people, right? Well, if you want to learn more about a career, go find people who are working in that career and go talk to them about it and go figure out what it is they do every day and what they like and what they don't like. Um, you may be somebody who does those kind of interviews and afterward gets a vulnerability hangover, like happens to me with each podcast. Um, but, uh, so yeah, all I'm saying is that this career change stuff is really difficult. It's really hard and we have to be... We have to be kind to ourselves. We have to practice self-compassion. And I'm doing that on a daily basis. Like right now I'm wondering, am I rambling too much? Am I even helping people as as I talk for these first five minutes on, on this particular episode? But I think I just gotta be okay with being imperfect. I've gotta be okay with letting just me out, letting my true self sort of shine and, and being okay with the way, you know, the rhythm of my voice doesn't sound quite right to me when I listen on recordings and knowing that if people don't like what I have to say, they won't tune in, right? I've got to remind myself that it's okay to be me and it's okay to put myself out into the world. So, Today, what I want to talk about is these, these cycles of career change, and these cycles are basically like seasons. I first got this concept from Martha Beck, which is not shocking because she is just brilliant and uh, you know, and I, I went through her life coach training and everything that she writes, I find amazing and, and it resonates and it just really works for me. Anyway, I, I, so she talks about not this, not necessarily from a career standpoint, but from a life change standpoint, she talks about these sort of cycles of change and she calls them, she calls them the four squares, I believe. And as I've read other authors and different articles and different books, I noticed that other people use that framework in different ways. So I guess I want to credit her with, with giving me that framework to begin with and, and um, tell you though that she's not the only one that uses it. Um, and everyone uses it a little bit differently, but the, the fundamentals are the same. So let me just start here. I'll, I'll say this. So we've got these sort of four seasons. The first I'm going to say is winter. And Martha Beck calls the winter season of career change, of career transition. Um, she calls it death and rebirth. That's what it is. Death and rebirth. And this is when your old identity is dissolving. And 
your new identity is being born. And it's a really hard stage. It's a stage that comes with a lot of shame. It's a stage that comes with a lot of, you know, can be sort of fe fear of failure, a sense of isolation, feeling like you're making a stupid decision, if you did voluntarily decide to leave your job, that is. Um, so that's the first stage. And it, here you're really, if you're going to do this stage right and you're going to do this stage well, um, Kate Northrup calls it resting and reflecting. You are just like in the winter, right? During, during the winter season, everything is sort of resting and asleep and quiet and hibernating. And so that's what you're doing during that stage. You're dealing with the shame and the fear and you're doing it in this really calm, restful, reflective way. Okay, so that's the first stage. The second stage of transition, Martha Beck calls dreaming and scheming. And this is when you just dream up the life you want to have. Um, for our purposes, I'm going to say you dream up the career you want to have. And then you plan. That's the scheming part. You plan how you're going to leave the career you're in. You plan how you're going to enter your new career. And you, you, you make arrangements. Um, you're not necessarily moving anything into the world yet. You're just planning to move things into the world at this point. So that's the dreaming and scheming stage. It's sort of like visualizing what you want your future to look like. And it's a really fun stage. And that's the stage we're going to talk about today. Then you've got the third stage. And so we went from winter to spring. And now this is going to be the summer stage, sort of the equivalent of the summer stage. And the summer stage, uh, I'm trying to remember what what Martha Beck calls this one, but it's essentially moving the things that you've envisioned into the world and making them a reality. And it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to go exactly as planned, exactly as you visualized um, in the previous stage. But it is about working through the real world, right? Getting things into place so that there's a tangible presence of your new career identity in the real world. And this is, and the mantra Martha Beck says for this particular stage is, this is harder than I thought and that's okay. Or no, 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 this is much worse than I thought, than I expected, and that's okay, because <laughs> that's true, right? I mean, you get through this nice, fun, visualizing stage where you're like, this is the kind of career I want, and it's going to go like this and that and blah, 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 and then when you start getting it into the real world, you're like, ooh, this is not exactly what I was hoping, um, or God, this is a lot harder than I wanted it to be. What is happening, right? So that stage is a hard stage, and that's not to say that you can't get move your vision into the world, but it is to say that um, it's a lot harder and things don't 
go as expected nearly as much as you'd hoped. <laughs> so that's the third stage. And so that's summer. And then from summer, we move into fall, the fall season. And that's essentially the resilient stage. This is the stage where you really meet, you've really come into the promised land. You have done the work, you've gotten to the point where you are in a new career, you have changed your identity um, to the point where you are, you are really this new person with this new career identity and things are going to come up for you um, that are going to take you off this path. Um, you know, old shame stuff is going to come up, like has come up with me many, many times through my career change uh, path. Uh, you, you're going to have the same old fears and all that stuff. And, and so, so that resilient stage is about working through the pain that you're always sort of carrying with yourself as a human being and not letting your your fears and your your need to please other people or whatever it is take you off your path so again that's the uh, that's the summer stage that's the the resilient stage or the fall stage sorry the resilience stage so so you essentially have death and rebirth and then you move on to the envisioning stage, right? And then you move into the real world stage and then you move into the resilience stage. Those are the four stages. Those are the things I wanna talk about over the next few uh, podcast episodes. And today I really want to spend time on that second stage. That second stage being the envisioning stage where you're planning and initiating. Um, you might be asking, you know, why are you not starting with the first stage? Why are you not starting with the, the death and rebirth stage? And I guess my answer is I've spent a whole lot of time on that. And I find it really heavy and really hard. And I'm not in a place, especially in the midst of this pandemic, I'm just not in a place where I want to deal with anything heavy and hard right now. I want to deal with things that are fun and light and kind of exciting. And this second stage is all of those things. So let me go ahead and tell you about the two things I want to cover in this stage. So you are in this place where you have dealt with some, a lot of pain. You've dealt with a lot of shame. You've started to dissolve your, your old identity and you're starting to be born into a new career identity. Now in the second stage, as you visualize your ideal future, you are just going to dream and as you dream, you're going to want to give yourself, um, tools to dream with. And so I'm going to give you a few. And then as you come up with your own tools, as you sort of invent your own tools, go ahead and use those as well. So the first one I would 
I would say is there is this tool called the ideal day and in the ideal day you are you're essentially imagining yourself waking up in you know whatever three years from now five years from now in a typical day this is a day that's not a holiday or a vacation um it's uh it's just a a regular everyday day but it's the kind of day that has been born of of exactly the kind of life you want so what you're going to want to do is imagine yourself and, and you know what I would do? I mean, usually what I do is I guide clients through this meditation, but since you don't have me guiding you through the meditation, I would say, just go ahead and let your eyes close. And then in your mind's eye, imagine you wake up in this ideal day. And you, as you wake up, you notice all the things around you. Like, what does your bed look like? What are your sheets like? What do they feel like? Is there anyone next to you in bed? Who is that person? Uh, what time of the morning is it? What do you smell? What, what color are your walls, <laughs> right? Um, and any other sensory details as, you, as you're lying in bed, just starting to wake up. And then, um, and then you're going to think about the first thing you do when you get out of bed and, and what is that experience going to be like? Again, paying attention to sensory details. And then the next thing you're, you do and the next thing you do and the next thing you do till you get to the point where you know, you're ending your day. And what do you do when you end your day? And what does that look like? And when you then open your eyes after having this big, long sort of meditation about what this perfect day is gonna look like in the future, you take a second and write down what surprised you about it. You take a second and write down any thoughts you had about it, what's resonating with you. And in that process, what you'll notice is your values, your strengths, your interests, they will emerge and you should take note of them. This is what I should say though, just a little cat. Uh, caveat with this particular tool the ideal day tool if you are still really stuck in your old identity you are not going to be able to imagine a really good day <laughs> I know that sounds that sounds awful right but it's true so so I I, I I asked a client once, you know, what was your ideal day like and, or what's your ideal day like? And she took me through like just a regular day, um, that wasn't, didn't seem all that fun or interesting. She, you know, did all the chores and went to work and got home and da 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 da. If you are not in a place where you're feeling free 
and happy and healthy and visionary, um, this is not going to work for you. So make sure you're in a really good place when you do this activity. Other things you can do to really get at this particular stage and make the most out of it is you can think of a particularly catastrophic moment in your life. Something that was going, that went really bad and, and, and it could very much be a crisis. And you know, maybe that's what you're going through right now. Um, but what did you turn into at the time of the crisis? For me, when I got a cancer diagnosis, I turned to my family and I told myself that if I lived through all of this, I would find meaningful work. So in crisis, I found that my family and my lifelong obsession, and I'm telling you it is a lifelong obsession, with life purpose, um, those two things, family and my lifelong obsession with life purpose, those were my most important values. So if you go back and think of a time when you were in crisis and then think about what things you turned into, those are going to be sort of your guiding principles for your life and your career. Um, so that's a good way to identify values. Um, you can also do some values writing. I get this from acceptance and commitment therapy research, but but you can decide on a value you want to write about. So it could be family or parenting, friends, social life, work, education, training, recreation, fun, spirituality, citizenship, community, physical self-care, environmental issues. Um, and from there, you pick one of those particular values and you set a timer for 10 minutes and you answer, you answer these questions. And I'm trying to get to the questions here. Hang on a second. What do I care about in this area? So if your value is work, which would be mine, um, what do you care about in this area? What do I want to do in this area that reflects that caring? When in my life has this value been important? What have I seen in my life when others pursue this value or not? And what might I do to manifest this value more in my life? When have I violated this value? And has that been costly? So that's another way to sort of think about what you want in your life, what you want your, your career to look like. And then there's other stuff like, there's some surveys and I like surveys. I think they can be useful, but I just don't want you to use them in a way that, that cuts you off from your, your creative and wise and compassionate self, right? That, that really wise self that lives inside of you. I don't want these surveys to, um, 
to sort of shut her up and tell her to be quiet, <laughs> if that makes sense. So I would go with the creative stuff first, right? Like, write. You could just journal about what you want. You know, do this ideal day thing. Write about your values. And then if you want a little more, if you want to dig a little bit more deeply, you can do the uh, VIA character strength survey. Um, this is a, a scientific survey. It comes out of positive psychology. It's interesting, and I think you'll find it really helpful. And then you also, you could do things like, if you are, which I know most of my listeners are, if you are a PhD who is looking to get out of academia, you could go to Imagine PhD. I don't know if people have, if you know what that is. Most people, I don't know. I shouldn't say most people. I know a lot of people who are trying, a lot of PhDs who are trying to get out of their careers um, as academics know about Imagine PhD. And essentially, you can do a skills assessment and a values assessment and an interest assessment. And it does have, and it's not just like, uh, it's not like, um, an assessment you might do in a magazine where you know you you fill out all the answers and then at the end it says if you scored between this and this this is what you should this is what this is who you are this is what you should do and if you scored between this and this this is who you are and this is what you should do it's it, it's more interactive than that and i like it for that reason so that might be something you try so just google imagine phd if you want to try any of those assessments and also via care Character strengths survey. Okay, so this is this is the first sort of portion of square two or stage two, right? Or the springtime of the career cycle. The first part is imagining what you sort of want, and then the second part is planning doing some planning based on what you imagined and what you envisioned. So Carrie-Anne Rockamore, which people should probably know, especially in academia, um, she, she is now retired, but she left her job as a tenured professor and started an organization, gosh, what's it called? Faculty Development and Diversity, the Center for Faculty Development and Diversity. And uh, she had a column in Inside Higher Ed. And in this column, there is one that she'd written in July of 2012, which, is call, which was called, Do You Need an Exit Strategy? And this is, again, in Inside Higher Ed. And this is what she writes about her own exit strategy and what she recommends other people do. She says, the two biggest things that keep people from change are overthinking and underdoing. By the way, I think a lot of the work she does, um, she's also drawing a lot from Martha Beck. Um, that's just... That's just what I'm sort of noticing. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure she's doing similar to what I'm doing, drawing a lot from Martha Beck, who, who, if I haven't said before, Martha Beck is also a recovering academic. She used to be a sociology professor. Anyway, so this is, again, what she says. The two biggest things that keep people from change are overthinking and underdoing. 
So instead of imagining your exploration as one where you have to make some big dramatic change in one fell swoop, why not just come up with some ideas and playfully experiment with them? And I mean actually doing them. In my own exit process, I attended circus school and divinity school and the school of hard knocks, community organizing. Guess what? I failed at all of them. That's great data. Those are three things I can check off my list of possible future directions. None of these experiences were wasted time because they each forced me to step outside my comfort zone and get publicly uncomfortable by letting go of having to be the expert and instead becoming a student. And they all helped me to hone in on my true gifts and talents. So stick your neck out a little bit and see what happens. And then she goes on and says to be asking yourself, you know, how do you feel when you're engaged in this activity? How is time flowing? Is it fast or is it slow? And what is your level of pleasure and satisfaction when you're done? And she says that, you know, each of these data points will start to move you in a particular direction and give you a sense of whether you should continue the experiment or shift gears. All right, so essentially whatever interests you have, go ahead and get to work on them. Try them out. You know, if like, like I was talking about before, if you want to interview someone who's doing some kind of interesting work that you may or may not want to try, but you're intrigued by it, interview them, talk to them, you know, join discussions or book clubs, get on LinkedIn, um, connect with people who, who you think might be interesting. Um, you know, try circus school and divinity school like Carrie Ann Rockamore. Um, read articles and books and, you know, just try some things on. Um, one, one activity that I thought was kind of fun comes from MLA, Modern Languages Association. They have some fun ideas for thinking about what you might want to do um, as a PhD who is looking to leave academia. And so they have this like job analysis thing where they give you like seven job descriptions and what you're supposed to do is go through and read those job descriptions. And they're actually real job descriptions um, from the last like couple years. And they ask you for each description to to think about whether or not you can imagine yourself doing that job and what it is that that appeals to you about that job and what doesn't and then it asks you about your values right does the job align with your values your beliefs about what sort of work is important and worthwhile would it match your lifestyle preferences? Why or why not? And then it asks you also about your skills. What skills do you already have that would be useful for this job? And what skills would you want to develop before applying for such a job? It's, um, it's called the Career Exploration Packet on the MLA website, um, or at least this activity is in that packet. 
so if you're interested in that take a look go to go to the MLA website and and I guess what I want to say that the bottom line in all of this is you want to play you want to play a lot you want to try on different things and you want to get really relaxed and you don't want to take anything too seriously and you want to just notice what interests emerge for you and then once you have an idea about what you really want to do you can start planning your exit from academia and I'm gonna go back again to Carrie Ann Rockamore and read from the same article from the same 2012 article in Inside Higher Ed this is what she writes leaving a tenured professorship doesn't happen overnight. You'll need to plan an exit strategy that takes your commitments into consideration. If you have graduate students, you'll need to tend to their transition. If you have writing projects in play, you'll need to figure out how to wrap them up. There will be lots of decisions to make about all the stuff that's tied up with your former identity of being a professor. And most importantly, you'll have to prepare to undergo a dramatic shift in your professional identity. The most critical piece of your exit plan will be your support system and safe space. You will inevitably have moments when all the gloom and doom predicted about your departure will feel like they are manifesting. When momentary setbacks make you second guess your decision and there will be days you know it would have been easier if you could just teach freshmen how to construct a valid survey question for the 50th time. But what I hear more often than not from people who have thoughtfully and consciously chosen to leave the academy in order to pursue their true purpose is, why did I wait so long? I love that. So remember that as you're planning your exit strategy, remember that it's not going to be easy and that's okay, right? This is the deal. This is only planning though. We're talking again, we're in this particular stage of envisioning. So you're imagining the kind of career you want and then you're imagining a plan for you know, closing up your, your old identity and your old career. Um, you don't have to put anything into the real world yet. That's not what this stage is about. Um, the other thing that I thought was kind of fun, I don't know, I, I, I wish I could give her credit. Beth Godby wrote also in Inside Higher Ed. Um, she has actually a series um, about her leaving her, her work. And she talks about grieving her um, academic identity and she says that there's a she had a counselor who said who said to Beth look you are going to want to spend some time really taking in this last semester of your job as a professor you're really gonna wanna spend time noticing your experiences in the classroom and noticing your experiences with colleagues and all of that and as you're as you're really taking all of that in as you're breathing that in you're also saying goodbye to all of those things and I thought that was a really beautiful 
way to to plan for your exit um, in a, a really healthy way, right? A really emotionally and psychologically healthy way. Uh, let's see, what else do I want to say? I guess I would also say that Carrie-Anne Rockamore says also that leaving for her was not about being ultra brave or about being super strong. She said that she was just willing to choose something and go for it. And a lot of people tell her, wow, you know, you're so brave, you're so strong. And she's like, no, I just knew what I wanted to do and I did it. Um, and, it and right, again, it's gonna be hard. There are going to be tough things that come up, but if you can stay focused on what you really want, it will happen. Uh, so, in conclusion, today, in this episode, I talked about stage two of the career change cycle. And again, um, stage two is that visualizing stage. It's that stage that's really fun and exciting and you try, you're trying new things on. It's what Martha Beck calls dreaming and scheming. So the first part of this stage is about dreaming. The second part of this stage is about scheming, and that's the planning piece, right? You do not have to put anything into the real world at this point of the, the career change cycle. And I guess I want to end today's episode with something that Martha Beck says. And she says that if you can't imagine it, you absolutely cannot do it. And so I want you to remember that. Spending time imagining the thing you really want to do is so very important. Um, otherwise, you're never going to have the life you want. You're never going to have the career you want because you didn't take the time to really think about what it is you wanted. And you really didn't take the time to plan for that. So yeah. That is stage two of the career change cycle. I hope that's helpful to you, and I will, like I said, get back to you in the subsequent weeks about the other stages. In the meantime, I wish you all well, and oh, I should also say, you know, I just posted on LinkedIn a Forbes ma magazine article that said this is this whole pandemic is actually a really great time for people to do career changes um, because because it, 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 you have space, you have time. Um, a lot of people are going to be forced to leave their careers anyway because, you know, of layoffs and all that stuff. And so spending this time, this quiet time, really figuring out what you want to do and where you want to go is actually a real blessing in a lot of ways. And so I thought that was a really cool article. If you're interested in reading it, I posted it on my LinkedIn. You can just find me, Danielle Delamar. And that should be it. Take care, everyone. Happy Sunday. Bye. Thanks for joining me today on Self-Compassionate Professor. 
I'm Danielle Delamar, wishing you a wonderful day and much happiness, health, and peace. Take care.